I want to take a minute and talk about Shop Boss. It's the ultimate solution for automotive shop management. It's built by industry experts with real-world experience. In fact, the founder was a former shop owner himself. Now, Shop Boss is designed to be user-friendly, making it easy to set up, learn, and teach your team with Boss Pay, powered by 360 Payments. Enjoy integrated payments with digital signature capture, text-to-text pay, PayPal, and Venmo options, consumer financing, and now surcharging, all seamlessly integrated into Shop Boss. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing separate sets of books. Everything you need is built right in. But that's not all. ShopBoss also offers built-in DVI functionality, eliminating need for third-party solutions. See how they can simplify your auto shop at shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. Shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That's shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. The two, the two rails. That sounds really what, good. What, you Let's don't want about to speak that. on? political and religion yeah i know uh, we, we, that's what we want to talk about that's what gets the people interested i like the yeah, sound of that yeah, yeah it's a what is it it's a christian anarchy biblical anarchy, biblical anarchy. all right yeah that could really yeah. uh that could take up some time you're out in the you're out on the west coast i don't know how many people would listen to us <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're in a what they we're in what they call a, a little red pocket. So oh, our county, okay. yeah, our, our little our little county is uh, uh is, well, is painted red, but everybody else around is blue. So this area here, we're an hour from Baltimore, Maryland, so an hour and a half from DC. So uh, okay, an hour from an hour from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, too, right in the middle. All so, right. Uh, but this area sounds like you get Repub- the same kind of mix. This this area's Republicans have turned hardcore libertarian. Okay, like yeah, like uh, Republicans have let the base down for so long that uh, Donald Trump is a moderate. You know, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It seems like the anywhere around Kansas City there is a very libertarian. Oh, so I wanted to know if you could hear me okay. Oh, you're you're perfect, yeah. Uh, I'm o- I only have one vocal cord since uh, COVID. Well, it's sa- it's it sounds good. Okay, the one the the one that's still fighting in there. You're still making some noise. So. I can always turn. I I can always increase your volume up in the in the post production. So we'll be we'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. I had quite the ordeal, and uh, uh, I think it was twenty one. I got COVID after thinking I wasn't going to get it because I had been in thousands of customers' vehicles and transactions and um, didn't even know I had it. I presented it as like uh, food poisoning. Okay. And uh, I just wanted to sleep and go to the bathroom and told everyone to leave me alone. And then one day, um, my son's trying to call me from the shop. And uh, I'm not answering, so he comes to the house and. No, you answered. You were incoherent. Oh, he he said I answered, but I was incoherent. So I don't know if you know what a pulse oximeter is. When they check your blood oxygen level, um, you're supposed to be 90 or above, and I was at 60. Oh wow! When I got into when I got into the ambulance, yeah, and uh, when I got to the hospital they said you're a dead man walking but um we got to put you on the vent now you don't have you do not pass go do not collect 
200 bucks, you're getting on the vent. You're probably not going to make it. So, uh, I said, well, let me call home and tell my wife I love her. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I spent the next three weeks on a vent in, uh, an induced coma, uh, on paralytics and everything to keep me, uh, still had a stroke while I was on the vent and, uh, was given up for dead. But, uh, here I am. Um, I didn't have enough challenges in life. <laughs> yeah. Why not throw another one on? As yeah. long as you're, you're standing upright and. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Every, it's been a, been a long fight back. A lot of, uh, a lot of the industry brothers have, uh, uh, that have been friends for a while have been, uh, great to me all over the country. Um, you know, so we won't drop names. We won't, but, uh, people feel, that you see, yeah, feel free if anybody, you know, you want to give a shout out to anybody. Well, being a part of that, that group is, is a big, is a, yeah, yeah it, well, it helps. The, the, the great brotherhood that was encouraging to, to my family while I didn't even know it, you know, I'm in a, in a coma and, you know, we have Greg Buckley, we have, you know, um, Bill Nalu, we have, uh, uh, Frank Lutz, um, you know, reaching out and reaching out, uh, from all over the, the country and, uh, uh, many, many hundreds more from the local area and all over the, you know, all over the world, really reaching out to my family, which I'm still catching up on all my, all my thank yous. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a good problem to have though. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's nothing like being able to, to, to look through things like that and see all the support from the community. And it's amazing how the social media influence and, you know, especially when it comes to Facebook and how kind of a negative connotation it had for such a long time. And it's really come down to just jumping on these different platforms and these different groups, right? And the support you get and these families that you yeah. build. Um, I, there really is in anything else other than than that to connect, right? You see him once or twice at a trade show all year, you know, previous shows, training. Yeah. It's like the only time you get to see him. And then, but now with this platform, you can like keep in touch with them and it's cool. And then, you know, you meet new people and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it takes up a lot of time, but (laughs) I think it's valuable. (laughs) You gotta be careful. You can really spend a lot of time on there kind of searching all these things. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're debating on five different conversations and six different groups. And you're like, hold on a second. I've been on my phone for the last five hours. (laughs) Yeah. I try to stay away from that. Uh, I've, uh, there used to, I used to be like a dog with a bone with an argument, but, uh, since this ordeal, I, I, uh, I go, is this a tug of war game that I even want to pick up the rope and pull? Yeah. I mean, who, and then what's the point? Like you can't change people's opinions, right? Right. And I'm sure, I'm sure your son can probably attest to this too. If he's doing a a religion and political, you know, podcast, it's probably very, very, very difficult to get someone to uh, change their political and religions, right? Their, their views when it comes to that. But even just in coming in the automotive stuff, I mean, once you got your way that's been working, it's so difficult to see another way. And I think being doing this podcast that I've been doing, I've, I've really noticed the different, uh, ways people run their shop and yeah 
whether they think they're right or wrong, they're right. Right. I mean, it's like, it's your shop, do it however you want, but you can definitely notice the trend when it comes to doing it a certain way and then being successful and running an ethical business, <laughs> you know, and there's sure. a trend when it comes to that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I had a, um, when I first started out, the most of the techs that I had, uh, under me as a first time business owner, uh, were older th- than me. And, uh, so that was a, they, they would always give me, well, this is how we've always done it. And I would say, well, have you ever considered the fact that you've either done it wrong or there's a better way? And, um, they, they would come around, uh, I would go, look, I'm going to give you leeway to do it your way until, uh, until it's time for you to do it my way. And uh, they all came around, um, but that's a story for another another day. <laughs> well, on that note, before we get too far into this, let's get an introduction from you. Let, well, let me my know. Name uh, is Bra- go yeah. ahead. Oh, you you go. Yeah, go go ahead with your introduction. Sorry. My name is Brian Winograd. Um, I live in South Central Pennsylvania. Um, Married five children from 35 down to 16, four grandkids, one incredible dog, and just lucky to be alive and happy to be alive. Been in the auto business since the 70s. I grew up on the parts side um, before I started even uh, driving and then got into the mechanical ed at 15 and haven't looked back ever since. And your specialty in the field? Well, uh, two two specialties. Uh, uh, mechanically, I'm a transmission um, specialist, but I've always been a uh, in in a specialty because I went to college for business and communications. Okay. So, um, marketing my shop, and because you know we're not seeing unless we do an extremely good job repeat customers, right? Uh, Absolutely. Most people look at us and the mortician and the dentist kind of in the same group. Uh, Hope to never see you again. Yeah. But if you do a good job, seems like the funeral home and the dentist and the transmission guy gets second and third generation customers uh, that way. But uh, so we always have to be marketing um, uh, from the day I opened that was back during the uh, yellow page days before the invention of, of the internet. So always had to be ahead of the curve and start seeing where the business is going, where technology is going and the new ways of getting uh, the business in front of, of uh, our community. Right. The new customer acquisition is, is that's the leading edge when it comes to transmission repair shops. Yep. Yeah, you. I mean, well, hopefully you don't see them more, more than once because it's usually on your dime if you do, right? Well, uh, we were um, we, we were good at giving um, good work and a good warranty. We gave a, a three year unlimited mile warranty. I, just to let you know, I did sell the sell the shop after my my sickness. Um, yeah, can't so blame I, you there. There's no reason. To, there's <laughs> well, no reason to, to keep 
pushing that envelope, that's for sure. I had a two-year uh, ordeal just to get back on my feet uh, just about two weeks ago. Just got medical clearance to go back to working on a front end or marketing or uh, advisory type wow. position. So, um, but my phone's my phone rings or email lights up uh, daily still from, I used to have 200 wholesale accounts and uh, other shops and uh, we serve as their tech line <laughs> when oh, they well. get into work that they're really not trained to do, but you know, their bays aren't full enough. So they get into trying to put in a valve body or do something that they weren't quite prepared for. So I have to talk them through it over the phone still. So you do, you do some tech support. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, to my old customers. That's, pro- that's probably fun, right? <laughs> it's probably, a, yeah, I guess if it's your old customers, you have a relationship built. You're not, yes. you're not dealing with somebody under a tree in their backyard trying to figure out how to do this thing. Somebody yeah, with mean, some, I'm, some aptitude behind them. Uh, I'm at the, the age now where I'm seeing my customers who were second generation owners selling their shops. Uh, and so I'm in that age group where um, these guys are saying, Brian, can I pick your brain one more time? And by the way, here's the new owner. So that's uh, making new relationships there as well. Right. Yeah, you have uh, every right to be able to kick back a little bit now. Well, that's not my nature. I've no. been on my own, been on that's, my that's... own since age sixteen, and um, I'm used to getting up and being, um, uh, putting in an honest day's work, looking at the this mug back in the the mirror, knowing that I had a good day. Um, I used to run not just my business, but several nonprofits and. Um, do work in Ghana, Africa, and things of that nature. Ran the the um, local mission for the homeless men and women here in our county for a couple years, and another nonprofit that helped at-risk moms and their children. Uh, so I always tried to keep busy. I was president of our local chapter of ASA uh, for five and a half years, and a state and national delegate there. So I've tried to keep busy. Yeah, you get your hands in a little bit of everything. Let's touch on that a little bit. So when it came to the nonprofits, was that something that was ran through your shop or totally well, divorced? What I did, what I did in Ghana, I used a portion of my proceeds um, to self fund um, building a school and orphanage in Sunyani, awesome. Ghana, Africa. Yeah, um, that was back when. One of our dollars was about 14,000 Ghana CD. So I got a lot more done back in the day. Yeah. They've, uh, they've, ne- they've done a good job in um, uh, stabilizing their currency. So now it's about seven Ghana CD to one dollar. So uh, I have turned that uh, over t- in the last couple of years to fundraising, which was new to me. Be- um, I always thought I could self-fund it and wanted to self-fund it, but it's a, it's a work I'm committed to. So it's something that uh, we have fully funded uh, for the next uh, several years. And um, I'm proud of that. Built it in honor of my my mom. Uh, 
that's what Jewish people do is we we build things to honor people who have passed on and lived a, a good life and we put their name on the building. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you go to a hospital and you know there's you know uh, Joe Joe Goldstein's cancer wing or you know something like that. So right. Uh, so God's blessed us, so we try to give back to um, you know to society. And Ghana was uh, um, definitely more needy than here in central Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anywhere you can share, it's awesome. I mean, we've been talking a lot about that with uh, with our shop incentives and our shop goals. And one of the things we've brought up to our techs is, hey, the next time we meet our sales goals, why don't we just shut down and we'll go do some community service? I don't think they're too uh, interested in that right now, but it's one of those things where once you do it, you understand the reward, right? But like, yeah, my bonus is going to be doing free work. Like, no, I mean, we're going to pay you, but you know, let's <laughs> let's let's get you there. Let's just do it one time because I feel like it's one of those things. Is once you do it one time, it's like it's like this auto industry. Like once you get into it and you and you fix that one car, it's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> Once, but once when you're watching right. it from the outside in, it's like, why would you do that? That's crazy. You're giving away free, you're giving away stuff. It's like, no, 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 you don't, you just don't understand. Yeah. And a lot of us grew up, you know, less fortunate than others. Let's face it. I mean, that's what drove me wanting to, to give back. I mean, I, uh, my dad left when I was three and uh, my mom and my brother and I lived in the inner city of Baltimore, which uh, was no picnic. And uh, we volunteered in soup kitchens to uh, to eat because my mom was too proud to go in the line saying that she needed the meal. She didn't want to let people know that we had the need to even let even, you know, family members know. So, right. you know, we got we got clothed from, you know, thrift stores and Goodwills and and ate at soup kitchens. And um, so we had that desire uh, in me to give back, but also to do well, uh, to say, I want to get out of this, um, want to get out of this situation. So, um, my kids and my grandkids would have a better shot at life. Right. Right. Yeah. Break out of the generation and build a new generation. Yep. And many shop owners have similar stories. It's, you know, when you, when you're at the lunch breaks at the seminars and the and the trade shows and you go have a bite to eat or a drink, you, you find that that story is uh, not uncommon. Yeah, and maybe it's it translates to other industries, but I feel like the auto industry is does pull in that certain mentality where it's a very cheap introductory and you know you can get in very cheaply you can go buy yourself some craftsman tools and you can start fixing cars in your driveway. Right. Yeah. And it's like, this is decent. And then there's that bit of charity too, where you, you, you're giving someone their car back so they can go to work so they can take care of their family. Exactly. And yeah. it strikes a chord with most of us that have been in that. Cause you understand how it feels to be there, how to not have wheels, how to not have a, a way to get to work, how to, you know, not be able to take care of your family. And you can give that back to somebody else and they can now use their vehicle because of you. Yeah, it's like, it just, you can't even describe what that feeling is. And then you realize, wow, and I made a monetary gain. I, I financially supported myself with this. 
Um, the issue I see is that mindset really stays locked in for a very long time through the evolution of becoming a tech, tech becoming owner, owner becoming, you know, the, the actual shop owner. And, and, and it's like that mindset is the best thing and the worst thing to have, you know, if that makes sense, where well, yeah. you got to start focusing your, your, a little bit more on the numbers and, and you, you're not just wrenching in your parking lot anymore and you have to pay for technicians now. And so you can't give away your work anymore. And you're like, but this is the whole reason why I'm doing this. So it's, it's, it's very a difficult transition to make. There's, there's always an ability to, to help. And there's also the ability and the wisdom to know when, when to say, no, it's not, this is not a good time and right. to not feel, feel bad about it because you're not helping anybody if you go out of business. Right. But that, I mean, speaking from true experience right there, cause it's, it's a struggle that I, I deal with and I I've talked to so many others about, and it's so hard to, to think that, that, and, and realize like you can't give your time away anymore, you know? And, but that's like one of the main reasons why we all start this and learn how to fix these things. Cause we all didn't have a car, you know? And if we did, it was something our, our parents gave us that didn't run or right. broke down all the time. I was like, how do I stop yeah. ending up on the side of the road? I better figure out how to fix this thing. And then your buddies are like, Hey, you got that thing running. You haven't broken down in like a week. Can you but, fix mine? <laughs> it's like, yeah, but isn't it, I mean, it's kind of a drug too to help people. I mean, once you start doing it, um, it it's. I mean, uh, I'm like we don't have to uh, talk about our our industry and how there's a lot of recovering. Uh, you name it, addicts of of right. you know whatever chemical, whether it's you pour it or smoke it or any other uh, addiction. But there's no there's no better joy that you really get than than uh, using your hands to help a single mom uh, get her car back on the road so she can help her her kids so they can have a better life, you know, uh, or work her even if it's not for a job if it's to go to school so she can get a a better job to get to become a an RN maybe she's in what do they call it? LPN, you know, maybe right. the next step up is the, you know, some more school, but she needs that vehicle. Yeah. Whatever it is, the point is what, you got to get from point A to point B, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I also see the light bulb, love seeing the light bulbs go off and, in young people. I mean, I've, I've served for 30 years on the, the York school of technology, which is our local, uh, uh, high school trade school and it has all sorts of great academies but we have me and a lot of other independent and dealers have come together in our area and put together a great uh natef certified these kids come out um with a better start than than coming out of some of these community colleges you know licensed with ases and and uh in our state, state inspection and emission license and knowing how to use all data and OSHA certified. And these kids, uh, you know, this generation kind of gets a bad rap because they figured out all the, you know, all the BS because there's so much information out there. So they, they, they figured out, you know, why do I, why would I want to be in your, in your industry, Mr. Auto Mechanic? And, so 
we have a recruitment day for incoming ninth graders once a year. They get exposed to the shop. We give them hands on, you know, doing things and get excited. Think about coming into our academy. Yeah, there's some coming in that their dad works at a shop or they they have a project car. But a lot of them that get exposed to the the open house there at the school sign up. And now we have just the opposite problem. We have way more applicants than we have spaces. And um, then I get That's to amazing. see them get to see them four years later when we do what's called NOCTI testing, which is a national hands-on test for every industry. The electricians have it. The carpenters have it. The welders have it. They have to go through like 11 hands-on stations. <clears throat> Change a tire. Do a brake job. Diagnose a check engine light. Um, identify like 30 different parts at a, at a section. Um, I'm leaving out a bunch of different stations. but And then we grade them based upon uh, competence. Looking up, say, for a brake job. Looking up discard. <laughs> I laugh when I say that. Looking up discard measurements and how to use a tool to do it. Because right. we know the cost of rotors now, it's just put the rotors on. Why Why spend the time sitting at the lathe cutting? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But they're learning that. They're learning the knowledge. It's and still the information to know. I yeah. mean, you can, yeah. if you're looking at a set of rotors that might be, you know, 120 a piece, you know, for a big truck or something, then uh, you can, you can maybe justify turning those once or twice. But yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still the fact of the matter is there's a spec for everything in this industry. When you're looking through repair manuals, like, yeah, you, you just got to know that there's a measurement, there's a spec, there's a tool for damn near anything, right? Yep. We don't use, we don't use half of them, but. <laughs> They're they're there for you to know, you know. They're just in case, yeah. Just in case, uh, yeah. But you know, the other thing we have a couple hot rod teams, and they compete locally. They tear down like a, a three fifty V eight engine, and there's a team. Um, I think there's one, two, three. There's four techs and one guy working a bench grabbing the parts. So as the engine's being tore down, another guy's grabbing the parts, and he's putting taking rings off, putting rings on, you know, doing things of that nature, totally down to the block and then rebuilt, torqued the spec and it's timed. And every drop of a tool is a penalty. You know, every drop of a part, there's a penalty time added on. Wow. And we had two teams go to Vegas this year and one team that was nationally ranked. Um, so these kids are enthusiastic they're hungry. They want yeah, to learn. Cool. I saw that trailer um, out there at the SEMA show at the convention center. I saw those kids just yeah. busting ass. It was so yeah. cool to see all these kids with big smiles. And that was the most yeah. important thing. Big old smiles as they're doing this. Like, oh, that's all with speed wrenches, right? They don't use power drills. Right. Is that, and we is that part a, of the deal? Yep. Um, we have a team that's mostly female, if we're allowed to say that in 2000. 23. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what um, they told you anyway. That's yeah. <laughs> um, and in practice, they'll beat the guys because they're slow. They're, they're not slow. They're steady and methodical. They're thinking 
They're mm-hmm. more spatial conscience. They're just uh, more more detail oriented. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, especially yeah. at that age, where the boys are just like, "Let's get it done, get it done, get it done," and they're like Marines. They're like, "Rah rah rah rah," where the girls are just you wouldn't know they're working over there. Yeah, but many times they're beating the boys, and uh, I always have a little grin on my face when that happens. <laughs> you got. I mean, it's cool to see. It's cool to see the different. Uh, how the different minds look at something, you know, and, and obviously in the automotive field, like this is a, a stigma, right? You got to be, um, you got to be overweight. You got to smoke cigarettes and you got to be a dude to be an auto mechanic. <laughs> right. And you got to have a grease rag hand out of your back pocket and you know, the whole, the whole get up that we can all visualize. And yeah, it's just not what this industry is. And it's just yep. proof to watch that and watch that proof of concept be proven wrong. When you see a group of women, teenage girls, whoever they are, actually get in there and not only go toe to toe, but beat out this stigma, you know, male dominant field. And it's, it's just cool. Cause it just, it just proves that this industry has so much more to offer the young people than, than, than anybody expects. And especially in this day and age with the amount of the repairs we're doing and the amount of knowledge it takes and the amount of, man, you, you don't want to sit at a desk and do the same thing every day. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's trades out there that give you something different every day. But if you're wiring a house every day, if you're framing a house every day, if you're plumbing a house every day, that's about as monotonous as, as you can get if you're coming to blue collar stuff. And uh, yep. in the automotive industry, you're not doing the same thing every day. <laughs> yeah, And these, these young folks are getting... More than just theory and hands-on, we're teaching them the importance of uh, dress code. We're teaching them the importance of safety. We're teaching them the importance of punctuality. We're teaching them the importance of look someone in the eye when they're talking to you. Shake someone's hand if you're going on an interview. You know, so by the time they're coming and going to their stations at the Nocti test, they're looking sharp. Their uh, their hair is nice and neat. If they got long hair, it's put back so it doesn't get caught anywhere. They have their safety glasses on. But they come to me to hand me their, their test book before they even start. Say, my name is, shake my hand, and then wait for me to tell them to begin. And I've been doing this, like I said, 30 years. <laughs> I was discouraged 30 years ago with that gr- <laughs> the group that came through uh, then. So it's a credit to the school. It's a credit to the teachers, the advisory board, and and the independent uh, Napa shops uh, and the uh, dealers in the area that are the m- most willing to participate, volunteer, um, once a month, we have what's called a gears and grub uh, show oh, that's and cool. tell. I like show that. and tell after school. You know, so uh, had a demon in the other day. Uh, had a 2024 BMW uh, i5. You know, total electric EV. Uh, we get to put it up in the air, go underneath, look at it, have someone talk about it, give them more instruction. Uh, sprint cars come in and the kids all get to sit in there, rev that thing up to the rev limiter, <laughs> smell the, smell the fumes, 
you know, just get excited right. uh, for the industry. So, yeah, it um, doesn't always have to be the technical training stuff. You know, sometimes that just, it's all it takes. And yeah. then, and then they do the learning on their own. Cause you know, the old adage, you can take the horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. Right. So you gotta, just gotta give them, you gotta get them thirsty and then they'll, they'll pick up the knowledge on their own. And I, I don't know how it is, uh, out your neck of the woods, but we need to do a better job with entry techs as far as keeping them and attracting them with pay and benefits. I know, uh, owners don't like to hear that cause it's extra expense, or I might, you hear this all the time. If you heard this, Jimmy, uh, I'm training somebody else's tech, right? Yeah. We right. hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, that, or the, why would I train them if they're just going to leave? Right. Well, why would they leave if you don't, if, if, if you train them right? It's like, why get married? You know, you, you don't get <laughs> married in anticipation of divorce. Right. So why is our industry so kind of backwards like, and why even why, why why even you wiping your ass if you're gonna go to, <laughs> if you're gonna sit again tomorrow you know like yeah. what are you talking about yeah so i you know uh i'll give you a i'll give you a case in point i have i have two adult sons in the business as techs uh i have a third one actually uh uh 10th grade in this school uh wanting to be a tech their just turned 19 year old sister went to the same school to be an electrician. Okay. Just turned 19. Now, again, I don't know what good income is out where you are, but I'm going to tell you, um, there isn't nearly a, a tech in our area making more than a hundred K. Okay. Even at the dealer level. Now, 100K in our area, you're not hurting, but you're not in Biden times, you're not doing well. Mm -hmm. uh, a good A tech at most places will work his butt off to make 85 around here. I say that to say this. My 19-year-old daughter, electrician, started out in the union at $26.50 an hour with all the overtime she wants every day that she works more than eight hours, just that day is overtime. Sundays are double time and holidays. Just like we had veteran day one Friday, she got double time. So she was making $52 an hour as a 19 year old. Didn't even start her apprentice program yet. She just got accepted into the apprentice program. So she's just running conduit in a trench, unskilled. Mm -hmm. um, and my boys are going, <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of demoralizing, you know, especially yeah. my guy who's a, the only transmission tech at a, at a dealer that is uh, um, being hit on physically and mentally and, uh, all of that, dealing with the shortage of parts that we're all dealing with, right. and all of that, and plus you got a, a eight make, speed, nine speed, ten speed, and who knows yeah. what's next? What are you going to do? Uh, Twelve speed? Like how many more are you going to throw in this damn thing? Five five hundred pound uh, transmissions and behind a diesel, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and he's got his nineteen year old sister 
gross and more than him, right? yeah, you know, I right now, so. right. Now, not every situation is going to be pretty like that. And no, I'm not saying that our industry needs to unionize. Uh, that's a discussion for another podcast, but <laughs> Um, it is a discussion nonetheless, though, because it's definitely yeah. it, it's definitely a uh, licensing union, definitely, yeah. you know, the right to know. All well, it's a it's I mean, a sore subject, I guess. What I was saying, it's definitely an open wound right now, as far as yeah. the auto industry and and obviously with the UAW strike, and I mean we're like right in the thick of it, and it's like yeah, they got their way with that, so. And then you, you said you look at these unions when you talk about electricians or plumbers or any of those other blue collar skilled trades. And that's what that's what's going on. You know, uh, a lot of plumbing companies are charging an upwards of six hundred dollars an hour, you know, to install your water heater. Can yeah. I install a water heater? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you and I both can. Well, right. Anything that's any other skills we we have the capability of doing. You know what I mean? And our skill. Let's I mean, let's. Let's put it out there. <clears throat> we have to, we, I teased my doctor. I said, I don't know why you get paid more than me. You only have two models, you know, male and female. <laughs> now you have. That's fair. You have. Uh, There's one in the middle male, now too, but yeah. You have miniature male and female, <laughs> you know, so that might be a specialty. I said, yeah. but uh, when I first got into the business, I just had to be an old fashioned wrench head. I didn't have to know Ohm's law, Pascal's law. I didn't have to know what, how to, you know, run voltage test or uh, Ohm's check. Hook up a lab scope at the minimum. Yeah. I didn't have to know how to read, you know, wavelengths and what that wavelength should look like. Uh, You know, um, I didn't have to program computers. There wasn't even computers on a car when I first got in. Now, some of these cars to put a bulb in, <laughs> right? You're tearing a front clip apart halfway to put a bulb in, or as know? we all know, with with the glorious six L eighty, you can't even install a transmission without a reprogramming. Well, that's standard, that's- and we say that, and we say that like it's it's standard. But to think about your reference here, it's like think about forty years ago. You mean I install yeah. a transmission? I have to program a computer. What are you talking about? Right. It would be but, like <laughs> look at you sideways. Think about, think about that electrician or that plumber, yep, or that drywall hanger mm-hmm. or painter. And and you know I'm going to stand up for our trade and and what we do. I mean, if you're a little old lady and your toilet's not flushing, you're paying somebody two hundred bucks just to get four tires to your pavement. Mm-hmm. You know. We are embarrassed to charge 200 bucks to do a diag on a vehicle, you know, 300 bucks. Cause you actually lose whatever you charge on a diag you're losing in that bay, you know, especially if it's drivability cause you're taking your best tech with the most mileage, the most tools, the most know-how and he's going to use maybe multiple uh, information sources, which cost monthly subscriptions to get to the bottom of this at your door rate at whatever rate it is. Right. You're not going to beat, you're not going to beat your diag time because you're charging and in the, on the hour and by the, the hour. Right. And on the meantime, that same guy could have done, you know, 10 brake jobs. 
Yeah. <laughs> Set a ball joints in four hours. Right. You know? So, yeah. you know, we, we, uh, uh, sometimes our hands are tied by the state on how we can charge on things and, and, you know, have to post certain things and education needs to be done on a legislative level, but we need to do better as owners across the board, dealers, independents, Absolutely. What we charge for what we do compared to any other trade. And there's the, there's the ethical component behind it. When you're like, when you get down to the bottom of something, you just find a wire, right? Or you find a, 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 it's a bad fuse or, or what, what have you, whatever, whatever you end up finding on a, usually in an advanced diag like that, it's usually something simple, right? It's, it's like, the, the major stuff's easy to find, but it's it's the little itty bitty stuff that takes a long, long time to find. Yeah. And it's so hard to justify, oh, look, this was your problem. Like, you're charging me $1,000 to replace that little wire? I uh, hope it's that way where you are in the bubble <laughs> you live in. And may, may, may God bless you if that's what you find all the time. Because what we have- well, For the majority, yeah. What we what we have in the majority is the, 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 the couple things. The I got a secret customer. I don't know if you know what that is. No. Uh, um, they've already tried to fix it themselves, and then they took it to their their favorite backyard hack, and okay. then then they bring it to you. And I definitely have those, but I never called them. Would you call it a secret customer? I have a secret. I have, I have a, a secret. secret. I, I have okay. a secret. I they didn't I tell you all. Customer. They didn't tell you or your servants. Oh, of course not. Why would they tell anybody? Because right. they don't want to look like anything. And th- then an hour into it, your tech comes out and goes, "Hey, you know what? There's wrong spark plugs in here." You know, but it took yeah. them two hours, and of finding this. Right. So, so then what you have is the out of touch shop owner who yells at the tech, you know, mm-hmm. what well, shouldn't have taken you this long to find that it had. Why didn't you, why didn't you just check that first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How was so, I supposed to know? So what I, what I find when I go visit shops and I talk to shop owners and I talk to their lead techs and, and, uh, and I find a disconnect and I find these guys downtrodden is because they're, the, they're the only A guy in a three bay shop. There's a GS, there's a, a a parts hanger, and then there's your A guy, right? And the A guy gets all the diag while he watches everybody else get their hours that he 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 diagged. He doesn't even get the job half the time, right? Uh, because he's got to do that timing uh, chain and gears. Cause he's the only one there knows how to do it, you know? And, uh, so he's getting all these jobs that wear your mind out, wear your body out, where you're, you know, you're, you're using all your tools to, to get diagged and to get done. And you can't really beat the clock on a consistent basis, but he sits there and he sees people with less ability getting their bonuses and, you know, getting, getting the gravy, uh, you know, so we got to do better because we're losing guys to the, 
You know how easy it is for our guys to go sideways and become an HVAC tech somewhere? Yeah, that seems to be that somewhere. Seem, that, that, that's the trend right there is the HVAC. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that in my, in my area. And I'm in California. Yeah. I mean, we don't have, <laughs> it's 70 degrees today in the middle of October. So, <laughs> or uh, middle of November, I'm sorry. So it's like, we don't really have like temperature where we need HVAC, but a lot of the techs are moving into HVAC. I mean, it's the, it's the trend here because a lot of these guys that are ATEX uh, might be at their top dollar in this area for flat rates, like 35 an hour. Okay. High, high ceiling. Unless you're 20 plus years at the same dealer, you might be up to 40. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that guy's got the dealership trained on what he will will not do by now. Mm-hmm. But for the for the vast majority of them, they go to a place and they shine. And instead of uh, the owner figuring out a way that to use this guy and to pay him some higher guarantee that he doesn't think that he's being um, neglected or abused for the just betterment of the shop owner and everybody else but him. And then he gets in a bad mood and he goes to the next place and then to the next place and the next place. And next thing you know, I'm texting a guy going, where you at? And you're like, show me a picture of a van of ABC Mechanical. You know, <laughs> yeah, running, running, you know, conduit for, you know, and, and plumbing for, you know, a new HVAC system. And I'm going, we're, we got to do better. We got well, to and, and then think how easy that transition is, right? I mean, if yeah. you ever had a water heater installed, if the electrical is not hooked up, the plumber doesn't do that. You got to call an electrician, right? And, yeah. and so on and so forth. If you get an HVAC system installed, they don't hook up the electrical. Yeah, they just hook up the ducting and, and charge the system, and it's like you got to call an electrician. Like we yeah. are the plumbers, we are the HVAC technicians, we are the electricians, we exactly. are we are all of that. And this and our product goes down the highway at eighty miles an hour. Yep. You know, when, when <laughs> these I, houses sit in the same spot. <laughs> when when I opened up my business and I bought lifts and put them in, company had sold them to me, put them in, got them installed, got them level, and said, "Good luck." Call the electrician. What do you mean, call the electrician? Yeah, we don't do that. So I had to wire up my, <laughs> yeah. my own lifts. <laughs> right. You know, yep. uh, when you're a shop owner and the toilet breaks, you install a new toilet, you know? Yeah. So we have all these skills. We already know how to diagnose AC. Yeah. So uh, we're already getting into um, everything but like three phase and you know, higher in a, in an electrical well, field. Well, then so. you, like three phase in the hybrids. I mean, it's a three phase electric motor, you know, exactly. and as we move into EVs, it's, you know, and now we're, yep. now we're calibrating lasers, you know, <laughs> we're literally turning into rocket scientists, literally become a run for your eyes and not to downplay any of the other trades. Right. I mean, to be a skilled framer, to be a skilled plumber, to be a skilled electrician. Yeah, of course there's, there's a place for that, but we have the knowledge in this field to take care of, the basic stuff when it comes to any of those fields. You know what I mean? Well, you as a tech or and you as an owner 
different levels of investment. But a lot of your ATEX that have been in it, easy 75, 100 grand in tools. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Easy. Between their box, their cabinet, their diag equipment, and all their all their tools, mm-hmm. you know? So then your shop owner, now the, if you're a gen repair and you want to be, you know, one of these, <laughs> we do everything shops. Yeah. Um, well, now you're buying all this equipment because, you know, now you have these uh, interactive cars and you have cars that warn you if you're changing lanes and if your bumper cameras off, it, it you know, it's affecting newer calibrations on alignments. And, you know, so the equipment and the update that you're investing, and I just saw an interview, another podcast, I won't name names. And the guy's very successful. And he's saying, we're doing everything to keep our prices down. And and there's something in me that dies because I know what that means. I know what it means to him, his family, because he's working longer hours. I know what it means to his techs. I know what it means to his suppliers because he's probably not paying them on time. Um, So my passion is, this industry been in it since I could walk, you know, and um, it's not going anywhere, but who's coming along for the ride? Yeah. It's, it's just making the small tweaks. It's making the small changes. Right. And as, as we get like these groups together, right. And we, and we start realizing that we're all making the same mistake, right. In a sense. And we all realize that, uh, for one, we're not charging enough, you know, and that profit is not a bad word. And you start bringing more more financials into the business and you start realizing the good you can do with that. Yeah, granted, there's there's plenty of bad shop owners out there that make the money for the wrong reasons. They buy the wrong stuff. They don't take care of their people. They don't take care of their shop. They don't take care of their customers, but they see this big golden, oh, I can charge $200 an hour. I'll do that. I'm going to get myself that third boat, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they're out there, right? But for the majority of yeah. us, it's like we take that money and we look at how to give back to the community, look how to give back to our employees, our technicians, how to train them more, how to. And I get the whole like. So you're my big thing. percent If your attitude is there, I don't know what your P&L and all that looks like, but just with that attitude, you're in the top 2%. I don't know if you know that. I've I've becoming to realize that yeah I mean I'm obviously doing this podcast I talk to a lot of people and, and so trying to spread that word it's like how can you guys not like how do some not understand that like that's that's what you do like and what's your what's your definition of success right and that's what the main thing is like what is successful to you do you want to be out of the shop by three o'clock on a fishing boat if you can do that go be that's I want to take care of my people and I want the new generation of technicians to have what they need to stay in this field and not want to not just leave, not leave my shop, but not leave the industry. You know what I mean? Um, I watched a lot of it and I wasn't paid what I feel I was deserved as I grew up in this field, but I I struggled to stay in it. And I saw the importance it is and how it's in, in the transmission field, especially like there's no transmission builders anymore, you know? Um, and in fact, 
and in, in the dealership, yeah, in the dealership, they're not even touching them anymore. They're they're not. There's no dealership repair programs for the for the transmissions anymore. And to see that dying off is like what? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Well, <laughs> that that can't I, I happen. Will, I will say, um, the Ford dealership that my son works at, they are building them. Um, they have to tear them down and do a cost analysis with the warranty department. Right. Right. Whether they send him a unit or build it, right. and he won't build it, just throwing little parts at it because he's got to stand behind it. Right. So that that dealer gets it, and that dealer's a little forward thinking where they're building a new truck shop, and they want to turn the truck area into a transmission only and do all nameplates. So that that's a discussion again for. Uh, yeah, I day. mean, it's the, the it's, dealers it's, are. Yeah, the dealers are doing a very good job of knowing what has to be done, and and well, I, look at the, look at the bigger picture. Like, make that investment so that you have someone on your team that has the capability to yeah. fix these problems, right? Because yeah. for most GS shops, if a transmission fails, they're not tearing back into it. They're just waiting for the reman. When's the reman sure. coming? I don't know. It's on back order. There's 2,500 <laughs> units on back order. <laughs> yeah. Like, how does we, that serve your client? You know? Yeah. We had we had so little turnover at my shop. We had four rebuilders, and uh, three of them died. So the joke was, <laughs> you know, the only way you get out of Broadway transmission is to die. And then, of course, when I was fighting for my life, my two boys were like rethinking, is this what we want to do? <laughs> Everybody we know that's rebuilt uh, and been close to us has died. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> all under 60, by the way. So you uh, <laughs> were serious about getting out of this thing, huh? Yeah. But our industry is a, it, there's a bright future. For those that stay in it, for those that have your attitude um, and not allergic to the profit word, and yeah. um, but also have to know we are not we're not charging near what we need to. Yeah, and yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can go to uh, the model of any other industry. Um, I don't know what it's like again out. I kind of live in this bubble. Uh, out here for the last two years because of my health. And I've been to my share of doctor's appointments, as you can imagine, over the last two years. My primary care has left the practice and has gone to work at the hospital. She gave a year's notice. They cannot replace her. There's no applicants. So I go in now and I see a, a nurse, uh, I, I don't know what they call them, nurse practitioners or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if, and, uh, inevitably if there's something above her pay scale, then I Skype or zoom or whatever a doctor, but, um, the bill's still the same or higher, you know? So, and that amazing, uh, uh, no other industry apologizes for what they charge. That's true. But, but us and no other industry, I'm not going to say no, but you don't really see that effing doctor or that effing hospital rip me off. 
Yeah. Well, you're, you seem well, to still be alive. Yeah. I mean, that's the one you know? thing, as long as they're walking. I get, I mean, I, I definitely see the, the, the plenty of the doctor did me wrong. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's misdiagnosed me. Right. But I mean, you go back, you know, a misdiagnosis yeah. for the doctors is, is that's normal practice because they're practicing same, medicine. I mean, we're, we're practicing guy. what we do, you know? Yeah, yeah. To the same guy. To the same guy. But we don't get that. Or a lawyer. How about an attorney? You pay for an attorney. He loses your case. You're well, still paying. It's the same cost. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank god uh um i've only had in the 30 years that i owned my business i had three uh customers sue me um and they were all dismissed like immediately and none of them was had to do with our work uh you know so that's uh, interesting people, what, what what was the pain point well the the one uh, I, I remember all three of them because I'm a reasonable person, even to the point where sometimes I'll give away goods or services or money to try to keep a customer happy. Mm-hmm. We're guilty of that in our industry, aren't, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. It's not like McDonald's where they go, we'll give you another Big Mac. What do they got in, invested in that? Right. You know, so we give away an oil change. We're losing that bay time. We're losing that. Uh, material that oil we're paying for the you know the disposal of the waste anyhow mm-hmm. uh so the first one on we the customer didn't want to pay to have her transmission rebuilt we always have them sign a waiver if they we will not buy a used one go buy a used one you contract us to install it with all the waivers signed Transmission worked fine. Gave it back to them. The next day, their engine blew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they sued us because we were supposed to have a, a magic eight ball and, and know that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was dismissed. The next one was an IROC Z. <laughs> and I, um, I turned down the job. And the mom, the parents came. Why won't you take this job? I said, well, I can tell your son abuses his car and we give a three year unlimited mile warranty on all our work, no exceptions, uh, if we rebuild it. And, uh, I, I just don't trust doing this job. Oh, our Johnny, we just bought this car and the abuse you see was from the previous owner. So, right. Of course it is. <laughs> I got talked into it, but I still, had the wherewithal to have them sign uh, the telltale signs of abuse. And they came back a couple weeks later, brand new tires, but they're melted in the back. And I told them to come, you guys pick a time that um, we'll tear the transmission out right in front of you. We'll tear it down right in front of you so there's no hocus pocus. No, hey, you you pulled out a part from the barrel trick, you know, that our industry was known for in in the 80s. So full disclosure, plus I kept their old parts and showed them up front. If this input shaft snaps in two, it's from doing neutral slams. After trying to do burnouts, we don't cover that. And 
showed them the part. I put their name on the box and put it on in our storage, knowing they would be back. I didn't know how soon. And they knew it was coming. <laughs> they paid me to do the job again. And uh, they didn't talk much during the delivery. And um, they took me to court. I brought the old paperwork plus the old parts and the new parts. And judge dismissed uh, dismissed it. And then the, uh, the last one that I remember was a person had a warranty company. Aren't they lovely? Those warranty companies. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, we, I, I, I had good and bad experiences and it's like, yeah, we have I, great, I have mixed reviews. <laughs> we have great ones that we deal with. The not so great ones that are on a, another list. Mm-hmm. I tell the customers, you you ever go to a doctor and they say they don't take your insurance, but they'll file the claim. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll do that for you. Um, but if your claim's paid or not paid, that's up to you and them, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, I said they're not going to tie up my bay. They're not going to tie up my bench. Here's our procedure. As soon as you tell me to do the job, we're rocking and rolling. We're not going to stop and wait for an adjuster, tie up my bay, tie up my, you know the story. Mm-hmm. So they, they okay the job. Uh, the job gets partially reimbursed to them 30 days after the job. And then um, I left out a part. Forget me. Part of my memory isn't fully recovered from the ordeal I went through. The warranty company talked me into letting them send their reman transmission. Okay. And let me mark it up 25% and pay me for installation. That I said, okay, that's fine. As long as you're letting me have a little markup on it, go ahead. Well, it broke down. They sued me. And again, showed the the, war- the, the warranty company? The, the no, the customer. Oh, okay. They said, well, we oh, had they went it. after you for the, 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 the remanufacturing. We had it worked on here. And I felt like, you know, hello, McFly, you know, <laughs> graciously showed them their paperwork, showed them their signature. Um, we, we had a uh, ironclad, um, at that time, every disclosure was on the internet, whether you were live or not, you authorization form, everything that that you could encounter and you would electronically sign. If you read it, I didn't care, but I went over it with you and you had to electronically sign acknowledging all of it. So they acknowledged that if there was any problem with the transmission supplied to me uh, and it breaks down outside of my peer view, they have to call the warranty company. Don't call me. And mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for towing or anything. So it broke down on their vacation four hours away and they wanted me to pay for their towing bill and, you know, their labor and their hotel and, you know, fill in the blank. And of course that was thrown out. So in 30 years, you know, knock on wood, uh, we, we did our best to stay out of judge Wapner's, uh, <laughs> yeah, judge Judy, 
Judge Judy. I'm dating myself. <laughs> Judge Wapner and Judy. Uh, we stayed out of that. And Springer, uh, Jerry Springer. One all three. Yeah, Mayor Mayor Springer. He, do you know he used to be the mayor of Cincinnati? <laughs> yeah, before he before he had his talk show, he was the the mayor of uh, of Cincinnati. Oh well, you know, I was just listening to a podcast about the Doctor Oz. Um, mm-hmm. Remember Doctor Oz from the Oprah Show, and ended up taking over oh, the yeah. Oprah Show. That was yeah, that was he, quite that was quite a one too. He ran they for talk- uh, ran for Senate. Yeah, uh, here in Pennsylvania, and got. <laughs> and speaking got- of COVID, he had that COVID medicine that he endorsed. Um, oh, what was the name of it? The the one that works. The one that works, but yeah. The one that works that Trump took, yeah. The one, I, yeah. I, I so he, he had, whatever. He signed it with Trump to get that that uh, that medication pumped through, and yeah. and then the same with like the green coffee bean that was all through Doctor Oz. It was like all this political. I mean, it it was quite a quite a uh, a story of behind the scenes w- when it comes to Doctor Oz and how he took his doctor, and he was actually a very skilled cardiologist because he did yeah. the heart transplant on. Um, uh, for that famous, it was for the the World Series. Like, I don't, I don't follow sports too much, but yeah, he actually huh. did a, a heart transplant, and that's what kind of sky, that's what like catapulted him into the limelight, and then from there he kind of took off. But he was actually a very skilled uh, technician, and then um, not a good skilled politician. Not if a you good lose skilled. to a, a guy in a track sweat outfit <laughs> who can't speak a, a word of a sentence right. of English. Yeah. You, uh, you should not run again. <laughs> yeah, uh, he had a lot going on with his with his personal life by the time he was that far up into the political chain, for sure. I mean, everything he said on this Dr. Oz show was like, whoa. <laughs> he definitely yeah. used his platform to start start swinging for the wrong team. <laughs> but especially interesting, in, interesting to say the least, in, you know. You know, mod- if he ran as a moderate, he, he might have won, but he had a hard stance against abortion. Yeah. Um, which uh, the Republicans will lose on in any big big state there is, right? You know, in mm-hmm. the the prairie the, they'll win, but on the coast it doesn't fly. Yeah, interesting to say the least, though. But um, yeah, go back. Always comes back to the politics. <laughs> well, it, it all it all is there. I mean, I. Uh, you've heard of the right to repair legislation, yeah. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been, I gave up on it, and it's funny how it's it's being picked up again and uh, gaining new traction. But I was on the original um, uh, legislation of that nationally, was on the panel that testified in Congress in D.C. for the Right to Repair Act. But back then, ASA in Texas cut a deal with the new car dealers to come up with the current, um, what we have now as far as the information ac- uh, agreement that we have for the aftermarket as far as uh, tools and parts and things of that nature. And, but, that, uh, and that in itself is just, is just proof of how disconnected most consumers are with their vehicle and how this feeling of 
being it's a it's it's a right not a privilege right and just like you had the the last story there about they want to sue you for their time and their hotel and all this and that and the other thing like how many times does someone a contractor come into your home and do something and something goes wrong are you do you go stay in a hotel now because your house isn't livable like what is with the automotive field as far as you lose your car and all of a sudden it's nobody it's it's everybody else's responsibility to make sure that you have wheels under your feet you know what I mean? When it's, it's like, this a, is, this is just your, it's just your car. You own it. It's your responsibility to maintain and repair it. Right. And I, we're just doing our best to keep you in the seat of that car, but it's not a guarantee. We're not guaranteeing anything. It's just, this is your best bet to keep you going forward. Maybe if you maintain it more than one time a year, <laughs> you would have to worry about it or maybe have two. And now they're taking away and you're going to have subscriptions ruled in and you're going to have yeah. all these mandates and like the right to repair like you you don't even see the wool that they've pulled over their eyes like you're gonna buy something and you're not gonna own it you know yeah my lawyer said you know we're easy targets because you know we can be sued we have we have pockets you know so for those shop owners out there whether you're incorporated llc whatever your uh you know uh, business legal status is you still need an umbrella policy to cover you for a couple million. It's very inexpensive. Um, my $2 million policy in this state was like 150 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you buy insurance, you hope to never ever have to use it, but you know, um, your guy has a bad day, uh, doesn't tighten something up. Uh, and you're in a, a, um, a, a partnership or an LLC courts are getting around that now for liability because yeah. they know it's not, you know, so, um, sorry easily to throw poke, that out. E- easily poking holes in the veil. Yeah. Very yeah. easily. Yeah. No, it's a great point to bring up because it's something that in, in my very early years I ran into and it was more of the, uh, you'd say the tech fell asleep at the wheel. Right. And, um, and one of the things that I didn't, through my early years of trying to delegate how I spend this, <laughs> this small amount of money I had to keep this business running. Right. It was like a part of it was like, Nope, got to have insurance. And, uh, it ended up being a, almost a hundred thousand dollar claim within the first year of operating this, my, my shop after buying wow. it. Yeah. And it's like, if I would have skimped out on the insurance, right. Or like a lot of guys do, I don't need that. Like, <laughs> no, you don't. But it sure helps when you do. <laughs> I'll try to. It end, definitely helps. I'll try to end up here unless you had um, other questions, more specific questions, but a funny story while we're on that topic. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> to pat myself on the shoulder uh, that I can say that I'm a good salesperson. So my son, who's now a a top-notch transmission guy. When he was in high school, I trusted him to fill up an old Jeep with transmission fluid. It was just rebuilt. You know, thought the guys out in the shop would watch them. <laughs> My mistake there. And uh, so one of the guys said, let me get it up on the rack, get it started for you. He thought my son knew Back then, those Jeeps, the old, you know, torque flights, you put it in reverse and you filled it, and I got the fluid uh, 
in the pump and into the transmission faster. So my son didn't know that. So you can imagine, normally I have 40-some, 50-some cars out in the front lot, side lot full, back lot full, we're two, three months out. This was like uh, a summer vacation week. And we happen to have two holes, oops, sorry, two holes uh, out in front. And my son puts the Jeep down to check the fluid and it, garage door was open. Somehow it misses all the cars in the lot, goes through one of the, one of the open holes. It's a car coming this way. Cause we're at, there's a main drag right out in front of us, a state, a state road. It's a car coming this way, bounces off a car going that way. There's two homes now. It's got, it's, it's going up. It's going above a, a, uh, crosswalk, then into the yard, misses both homes, stops at a tree. <laughs> wow. I'm out in a golf course. I swear it was like the first time I said, everything's under control. <laughs> Shop's running good. Shop's running good. Got your boy in there doing good. <laughs> you know, there's three guys upstairs rebuilding. There's three guys downstairs. My son, there's a guy in the office. A friend of mine owns a couple of restaurants, wants to go golfing. I'm going to treat myself and leave early, go golfing. I'm on a hole and I get a call. <laughs> Dad, you're not going to believe what happened, but I really don't want to tell you over the phone. How far away are you? <laughs> Get my get in a golf uh, cart. Go back to the shop. Hear the story, and it's just dumbfounded how this could have happened. Blame myself, obviously, for not being there. Um, taught me to be a better owner and manager from that. But just needed a bumper on the our customer's jeep. Called her up. And she goes, oh, it's fine. I'm down at the beach anyhow, Brian. But, and it was just a black matte bumper. Didn't need any paint. So we went and got a bumper, polished it up, put it on there. Didn't cost us anything. The tree in the customer's yard, he wasn't worried about. Now, the car that came this way totaled. And it was a Toyota, excuse me, 4Runner. Car going that way, not a scratch. So the guy told the guy, apologized to him. Here's our insurance information. Whatever your deductible or loss is, I got you. You know, so we take full responsibility. About a month later, the guy walks in. I go, how you doing? He goes, good. Remember me? I go, yeah. Yeah, I can't forget your face. (laughs) I'm thinking inside, I'm like, oh. What's well, I'm we getting like uh, I'm I'm like reaching for the checkbook. For the I checkbook. Am. Yeah. I'm yeah. literally just like he's got How an estimate or I'm reaching for my checkbook. He goes, Well, the vehicle was towed and we got more money back than what it was worth. And we bought XYZ vehicle. 
we just noticed the transmission started slipping. Could you work me a deal <laughs> on fixing this, the transmission? And he goes, if this car, if this Jeep wouldn't have jumped out. Now, uh, we are on the main drag of the this town. And he got to drive by it twice a day to go to work, come back from work. He says, I passed your shop literally a thousand times. Never knew it was a transmission shop. Never paid attention because I never needed your service. If that Jeep <laughs> wouldn't have hopped out, I wouldn't have known. I said, got you, boss. I did. I gave him whole, I showed him my wholesale price list of what I give the fleets and other shops. I'll give you this price. He paid me money. Didn't cost me money. Actually made money. And his whole family started bringing their vehicle to us. I, I swear to God. Um, <clears throat> Marketing 101 right there. So if you're slow, so, just let a Jeep roll out of the front of your shop. Not we, only are you going to get rid of the Jeep, which is a good thing, you're, <laughs> you're going to we pick up new business. <laughs> we weren't even slow. But it just so happened that we, you know, just like you rotate stock in the refrigerator if you're a restaurant, we had a guy, you know, my cleanup guy was paid to take out the trash, sweep the floors, do the bathrooms, and to go get parts and to move and rotate from the side lot, from the back lot to the front lot, you know, keep the numbers on it back then, you know, back before, that was even way back before we were all computerized. I mean, my God, probably 16, 17 years ago before everything was, you know, digital you know, you had a tablet and your phone yeah. and, and all that. So, uh, everything's an opportunity is the lesson you, you learn from Absolutely. That. That's a great point to bring up because it absolutely is. How do I, how do I, I don't know if I call leverage, but how do I pivot out of the situation to make it a positive experience? Cause it doesn't have to be, as long as no one's hurt, you know, no, one, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, now how do we, how do we move forward from this? And it's one of the very first lessons I learned from that, that incident in that first year, it was like, that's the, that's, other than someone getting hurt, that's the worst thing that could have happened to me. And I'm looking at the end of the year and I'm like, I'm still here. <laughs> like the lights are still on. Oh, okay. So it's not that bad. I made it. I made it bad. Like I, my mind made the situation way worse than the situation actually was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd hate to see a $100,000 claim and see what your rates did. Um after that, but you're still here. So, so honestly, you know, yeah, for, for what it was, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether it changed or not. Cause I didn't have the policy for more than a year. So. <laughs> and it's California, the insurance. I mean, we're just lucky to find an insurance company that'll cover us anymore. So, oh, yeah. but, but regardless, it was like, yeah, I, I still was able to pay rent. I didn't have to do anything else other than that, other than just file the claim and they took care of everything. And it was like, wow. Okay. Yep. So you got to put the right people in place. That's <laughs> my takeaway. Well, this, you know, just to let everybody uh, tuning in, this is the first time I've uh, done a podcast where the person was in like, here's what I, here's the talking points. We just uh, hopped on and talk like we we're, getting a cup of coffee and hadn't seen each other in 20 years. This is the first time we met. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I appreciate you having on. 
I enjoyed it. This has it been too. good. I appreciate you, Brian. You're a good man, Charlie Brown, and I hope uh, wish you much success and uh, whatever you put your hands to, and uh, that you stay encouraged and enthusiastic uh, for the industry because you got the attitude to stay in there. Very kind words.